Let me pray for us before I open God's Word. Lord, thank you again for the opportunity to come together to open your Word to, for me personally, to equip the saints for the work of ministry that you are calling each of us to do, even in the midst of this time and season that we're in. Lord, let your Word just penetrate our hearts this morning and make a difference in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Get your Bibles. We're going to go through several scriptures this morning and uh, want you to follow along. And if for some reason you miss one, go, go back. We're going to be recording this, obviously. It'll be on our website or it'll be on Facebook, Lynchburg, uh, Mosaic Lynchburg Facebook. You can go on there. Even if you don't have an account, you could just hit that and it's public domain and you can watch the service as well. So let me, uh, today's question is this. Why would God allow COVID-19? Why would God allow the coronavirus in our country right now? The whole world seems to be asking this question, a fact that actually gives the biggest part of the answer. And I'm going to explain that to you more in a little bit. Only a liar or a true prophet can claim to know God's reasons for allowing COVID-19 or any other affliction we experience. Understanding every possible factor of what goes on in life goes far beyond human ability. But God has within his complete knowledge and control every facet of every situation. And that should bring us great peace. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And I want to just support what I'm saying today. And I just want to let God's word minister to us this morning. Romans 8.28, it's a scripture that all of us are familiar with, but in the context of God having this virus, of God, you know, not taking God by surprise, let that filter come through Romans 8.28 where it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. His purpose, so that in all things, viruses, sickness, pestilence, disease, earthquakes, tsunami, tornadoes, hurricanes, in all things, in all things, God works for the good, for the good of those of us who have been called according to his purpose. So I want us not to forget that God is still in charge of everything that's going on right now. COVID-19, a.k.a. the coronavirus, is a mystery. And as with any mystery, to solve it, we must go from what is known to what is unknown. We We must go from what is known to what is unknown. So let's put the question of why God would allow COVID-19, the coronavirus, in the context of what we already know from the Bible and from personal experience. We know, first and foremost, that life is a gift from the Creator. Isaiah 42.5, Isaiah 42.5 says this, Isaiah 42.5, thinking of the fact that life is a gift from God. Isaiah 42.5 says this, this is what God the Lord says, he who created the heavens and stretch them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to his people and life to those who walk in it. Life is a gift from God. We, we have to remember that even in the, in the hard times especially. Life, our lives, the fact that you're watching this morning, the fact that I'm sitting here, this is a gift from God. He has given us another day. We know that God not only brings good on people, we also know that God brings trouble. Job 2.10 says this, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? He brings both, folks. Matthew 5.45 says this, he causes the sun, S-U-N, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God shows his love to people without distinction. It rains on the just and the unjust. 
So we know that God, that life is a gift from our creator. Number two, we know that God not only brings good on people, but also trouble. Number three, we know that life is short and includes some degree of suffering, ending in death and judgment for how we lived our lives, only one life with no do-overs. How do we know that? Hebrews says that. Hebrews chapter 9 tells us that. Hebrews chapter 9 says this, verse 27. Just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. Just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. In other words, there's no reincarnation here. It's given on to man once to, once to live, once to die. You're not coming back. It's where you're going to go after we die. So we know that life is short and it includes a degree of suffering. Number one, we know that life is a gift from the creator. Number two, we know that God not only brings good on people, but also allows trouble. Number three, we know that life is short. There's no do-overs and we will be judged at the end of our lives. Number four, we also know that our lifespan and date of death are set and controlled by God. Psalm 139. 139. Says this. Again, we're going from what we know to what we unknown. That's how we solve a mystery. What is known, we have to figure that out first to what is unknown. So what do we know? The Bible says in Psalm 139, 16, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Folks, he's ordained our steps. He's ordained our days. He knows when we were to be born. He knows when we're going to die. And so it's so important. I, I'm just going over these. Let's review why we, what we do we know about God. Life is a gift from our creator, as you'll see on the screen. God brings trouble as well as good. Life is short. It includes suffering. It ends in death and judgment, and there are no do-overs. We get one, one ride through this life. And number four, our lifespan is set and controlled by God. Now let's go back to our original question. What is God's purpose in allowing COVID-19? What is God's purpose in allowing this virus? We know that, generally speaking, one of God's purposes in trials is to get the world's attention off themselves and onto him, which is the biggest part of the answer to the question at hand. Think about it. Why would God allow COVID-19? Millions of people are suddenly asking that question right now, believers and non-believers alike, which means that God is on their minds. Think about it. Think about it. Right now, the internet is exploding with folks visiting Christian, church, and ministry websites. It is exploding. People are coming to the Lord, tens of thousands of people are coming to the Lord. I've been reading things as I've been studying all week. It is amazing, folks, just how many people are asking these harder questions right now. It's, it's like we had when we experienced 9-11, unfortunately. I told you last week, churches were full after 9-11 because people were scared. Right now, we're seeing the same thing. There's a lot of fear right now in our country. There's a lot of fear in the world. Fear of job loss, fear of the economy bouncing back. There's family issues that people are dealing with, and especially health-related issues and health-related fears. Do I have it or will I get the coronavirus? That's, that's on a lot of people's minds. It's, it's, it's kind of surprising to me as a pastor, uh, as during this season of the last month or so, I have been quite surprised at the level of fear uh, that I have seen in a lot of people. And that's why I feel like the Lord's calling us to bring these messages uh, that John and I brought and Jeff. My, you know, we we want to make sure, folks, that you are equipped and that you're, you have to realize you're not given a spirit of fear or timidity. God is with you, loved ones. God is with you. And we want you to be equipped today. Uh, that's why it's on my heart to equip you through God's word of not walking around in fear. But we do have some hard questions we need to answer here.
Man doesn't have all the answers to all the issues surrounding the coronavirus. We just don't. At best, we're guessing from week to week based on faulty models. Think about it. At first, they said 2 million people in the United States were going to die as a result of this virus. Then they lowered it, well, there's going to be a million people that are going to die. And then they lowered it to, well, no, it's actually going to be 500,000. No, it's going to be 200,000. No, it's going to be 100,000. No, it's going to be, now they're they're talking 75,000. May be at the peak of people who die in in the United States alone. So these models that they're basing things on, it's just man's best guess. We don't know, folks. We've not gone through this before. This, this isn't like any other virus. This thing is very, very contagious. And so right now, we're just guessing. But God's not guessing. God is there. He's got this. He's got this. If we're turning to God for answers, then we usually have more than one question. Rarely are we, nor should we, be satisfied with canned answers or ones coated with a lot of Christianese. The last thing we need in the midst of a virus, a crisis, a pandemic, is man's wisdom. That's the last thing we need. We need God's wisdom. We need to understand that God is large and in charge, that he is there, he's overseeing this, he has allowed it. By the time it reaches us, it has God's blessing on it. And there's a reason that he is allowing this. And there's so many things that are happening right now in the kingdom. There's so many people that are coming to the Lord as a result of this. There's so many Christians that are actually taking a deeper look at their lives. Like you said last week, the unexamined life is not worth living. We need to go deeper. We need to think about, God, what are you trying to teach me in the midst of this virus? What do you, what do you want me to learn, Lord? That should be first and foremost on our minds as saints, as Christians, as believers, as of Christ. God, what do you want me to learn? I'm not responsible right now for anybody else except, what are you, what are you teaching me, Lord? I'm going to talk to you a little bit later more about that. So a deeper question one might be asking at this time is this. Why does God allow affliction on humans and on nations? Why does God allow affliction? Affliction's an interesting word. There are at least 14 Hebrew and Greek words that are translated affliction in our English Bibles. And that's because affliction can have several different causes and applications. So I want us to understand that it's important that we understand affliction. Individuals can be afflicted for a number of reasons, and I want us to look at a few. So the question is, why does God allow affliction on humans and nations? Several different reasons. I want to give you a few. Affliction can be a direct consequence of sin. Galatians 6 says that. Galatians 6. It could be a direct result of sin. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So one reason God allows affliction in our lives, well, it's, it's a sowing and reaping. It's a consequence of sin. Affliction can purify us. It can mature us. And help us identify more with Christ. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Talks about that. It can help to mature us. Purify us. Help us to become more like Christ. James chapter 1. Verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. So God uses pain, trials, tests in our life to help us to mature. It it helps to purify us. It helps us to identify more with Christ. 1 Peter 4, 12 says this. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ 
so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. It's, it's one way that we can identify with the sufferings that Christ went through. God is maturing us. He's helping us to identify with him. Another reason for affliction, affliction can occur for God's divine purposes. For God's divine purposes. Job chapter 2 says this, it's, it's Satan had come to Jesus, to God and said, uh, give me Job. Let me sift Job. It says here in Job chapter 2 verse 4, skin for skin, Satan replied, a man will give all he has for his own life. But stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. And did, did Job curse God and die like his wife told him to do? No. He did not. And look at the number of people who have been encouraged by Job's life. I mean, you t- if you're feeling like you're having a pity poor me party, just read the book of Job. Okay, just read the book of Job. And just look at the faith of this man. Was he perfect? No. Did he make some mistakes? Sure. But you talk about steadfastness, stick-to-itiveness, long-suffering. You talk about those character qualities that Job had that God wants us to have. Man, it, it is powerful. So here his, is his life, and God had a divine purpose for Job's life. And, and his story has been told over and over and over again down through the ages. Psalm 119 says this when it comes to God's purpose. God has a purpose. Psalm 119, verse 73. Your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding to, le- to learn your commands. This is the writer of Psalm 119. May those who fear you rejoice when they see me, for I have put my hope in your word. I know, O Lord, that your laws are righteous, and in faithfulness you have afflicted me. May your unfailing love be my comfort according to your purpose to your servant. God, is, God is, it's not me I'm concerned about in this affliction. It's actually others. And that's what this writer of this psalm is saying. When people see me, Lord, in the midst of this affliction that you have allowed in my life, when they see me, Lord, oh, Lord, I pray that they would see a man or a woman who is trusting you. I pray that when they come up to me and they listen to how I talk about this coronavirus, that they will see that I am leaning totally into you, that I am trusting you. Oh God, God, may, may I just walk in your word and may the words that come out of my mouth not be my words, Lord, but your word. That's what this, this writer of Psalm 119 is saying. I'm going to stand on your word and rest in your love. What an awesome prayer. God, help me to stand in your word and rest in your love. Let that, wouldn't that be a neat prayer to say every day? God, help me to stand on your word and in your word and rest in your love, even in the midst of a crisis. So God has divine purpose sometimes for affliction. Another one, affliction is part of living in a fallen world. We all know that. John 16, says that. It's just part of living in this fallen world. John 16, says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Another reason that we have affliction, it's just part of living in a fallen world. There's going to be pain. There's going to be trouble. But take heart, God says, I've overcome the world. Another reason for affliction can be the result of persecution for Jesus' sake. 2 Timothy 3 says this, 2 Timothy 3. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Uh, Bottom line, folks, bottom line. 
It's a result that we can understand and identify with the persecution that Jesus went through. In this life, you will be persecuted. Another reason for affliction can be the direct result of an attack from the enemy. An attack from the enemy. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. You can go through pain and heartache and persecution because it's an actual attack from Satan. Ephesians 6.12 says similar. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Your persecution, your affliction, could be a direct attack from Satan, spiritual warfare. So it's important, as it goes on in in Ephesians chapter 6, you all know, putting on the armor of God. It would be a wise thing to do to pray that on you during this coronavirus, um, just so that you can know that you are being protected spiritually. And just keep, keep the enemy at bay, keep short accounts, keep sin out of the camp, Make sure you stay in a blessable position. Don't let the, the devil come into your home and get a toehold. And once he gets a toehold, he gets a foothold. And once he gets a foothold over your threshold, he gets a stronghold. And I, I just want you to break his toe, okay? When he comes in like a roaring lion looking to devour you, he wants to kill us, folks. He wants to kill us. And so make sure that you keep that armor on, keep a standard up against the enemy. Don't give him any room, because if you give him any wiggle room, he will get a stronghold in your life and in your family. So keep him out. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Satan, get thee behind me. You are not welcome here. Get out of my life. Let me put it blunt. Go to hell. Go to hell. Just get out of my life, because I want nothing to do with you. He wants to kill us, loved ones. He wants to kill us. Let's keep him at bay because affliction can come as a direct result of an attack of the enemy. And lastly, in Romans, affliction could be a judgment from God. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. It could be God's judgment, folks. Bottom line. Romans chapter 1 says this in verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth of their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires to their hearts, sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Folks, I don't know God's heart on as far as judgment over our world and over our United States, but it could be that this is part of God's judgment because of the fact that so many people are turning to idols. They're turning to images made in God and man's image. They're, they're turning to the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life in our world. They're, they're not turning to God who he's calling us to himself and saying, come to me, come to me. Instead, we're looking for the answers in all these other places. And God's not going to have it. He's just not going to have it. He won't share his glory with anybody. He won't share his glory with anyone or anybody or anything. God wants us to worship him, not the creation, but the creator. Whole nations 
not just individuals can experience affliction for many of the same reasons that I just mentioned. God also afflicted the nation of Israel. Think about it. His own people, God afflicted them on several occasions. He wanted to teach the Israelites that they were a community set apart by God to do his will. And that's all he asked of them is that you are are my chosen people and I want you to follow me. That's where we had the law in the Old Testament. Then Jesus comes. Today, those of us who are of Christ are also a community set apart from the world to do God's will, not our own. We're under the new covenant now. And God is saying, I still want you, those of you who are born again believers, those of you who are of Christ, those of you who are have accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior. You are my people. And now I have a way that I would like you to live. Here's my marching orders. Here's my book. This is how I would like you to live. And when we don't live the way God wants us to live, it grieves his heart. And we see in times throughout scripture where God said, enough, enough. I'm going to get your attention. Again, I'm not sitting here and saying that some Preachers, evangelists, televangelists will say, this is God's judgment on mankind. I, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is I read in God's word and we go from the known to the unknown. That's the only way to solve a mystery. All I know is as I look at his hand and what he has done in the past, yeah, yeah, there's been judgment. There's been judgment because God's people turn to creation instead of the creator. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Affliction is part of living in this world. We will all suffer heartaches, injuries, disappointments, lack, rejection, sickness. That's just part of living in a fallen world. We must remember Paul's encouragement in 2 Corinthians 4. Let me read that. 2 Corinthians 4, chapter, verse 16. I just want to remember Paul's encouragement here. Therefore, We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are becoming renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Amen. So if we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Amen. Amen. I love that. Afflictions remind the Christian that this world is not our home. It's just temporary. Okay, the coronavirus is going to come and go. And so are all other viruses and sicknesses and epidemics. They're going to come and go. It's just temporary. But we have to, we have to remember that. And so our hope is not on the temporary. It's on the eternal. We need to keep our focus heavenward. Heavenward. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. When we keep our minds focused on what that hope and heavenly truth, this is easy, this, it's easier to endure earth's afflictions. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Guys, we need to keep a kingdom perspective. You've heard us say that, an eternal perspective. This is not our home. Okay, the stuff that's all around us, the, the, the evil that's all around us, this isn't our home. We've got to keep a kingdom perspective when you hear bad news or we go through different things in our world. This, this isn't it. And so, okay, maybe, maybe this one's going to take me out. All right, Lord, I'm ready to go home. Maybe this sickness is a sickness unto death. I don't know, Lord, uh, but I'm going to trust you one way or the other. And so it's in the midst of all the craziness and troubles and afflictions and persecutions and pain that we go through is who are we looking to? What are we looking to? Guys, he has prepared a place for you and me in heaven. It is going to be amazing. There's no more weeping. There's no more gnashing of teeth. There is no more sorrow. There is no more bad emotions because there can't be if there's no more weeping. There's, There's no more heaviness. There's no more depression. There's no more mental illness. There's no more, there's none of that. God has prepared a place for us in heaven. And it is going to be amazing. Amazing. We've got to keep our eyes focused on that. Why am I putting so much stock in this world? Why am I 
beating myself up so much day in and day out just to get the, the corner office or to get the, the golden watch or what, what do I want here? It's not about here. It's not about here. What we do here is we, as Christians, let's live the best possible life we can now. And let's be a witness to those who don't know Jesus. And in the midst of a coronavirus, a cancer, a sickness, a pain, an accident, a death, whatever it is, I know easier said than done, but we've got to turn to God. We've got to say to him, Lord, help me as a psalmist of Psalm 119. When people see me and they hear me and they hear me talk, don't let them hear garbage. Don't let them hear despair or doom or gloom. Let them hear that I know I'm only here for a short time. Psalm 139, 16, he's ordained the steps of my life. Maybe they stop today. I don't know. Maybe they stop after stage four cancer. I don't know. But all I know is that what comes out of my mouth is the fact that I can't wait to be with him because to die is actually gain. And I can't wait to be with him because he has prepared a place. He's gone ahead of me and prepared a place for me. And it's going to be absolutely amazing. Never will I cry again. Never will I cry again because of the pain that I've experienced in this world. Guys, That's called a kingdom perspective. We have to keep a kingdom perspective here on earth. It just benefits everyone. So I want us to just remind ourselves what this is all about. When people understand and accept the concept of affliction and suffering, another question that we may be asking ourselves and are actually asking ourselves is this. What do you desire of me, God? In the midst of this coronavirus or anything else that comes our way, what, God, do you desire of me? When that question is asked, then we are usually at a whole other level because it is suffering and and that wakes us to our true need. When you you get to that point of saying, why, God? What what is it? What do you you want from me? How do you want me to handle this coronavirus, Lord? When we get to that point, um, and when we get to the point of suffering and pain, uh, pain is a good motivator. Uh, Suffering gets our attention. And so we have have a personal question we need to ask. Lord, what do you want from me? What do you want from me in the midst of this divorce? What do you want from me, Lord, in the midst of this child that we lost? What do you want from me, Lord, in the midst of losing my job? What do you want from me, Lord? in the midst that I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. God, what do you want from me? What do you desire of me, God? And oh, that's such a good question. I think C.S. Lewis put it best in his quote. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I love that. I always have. People are going to turn to one or two sources when life gets hard or when bad news knocks on your door, they will either turn to God or to their own man-made idols for help. Who are we turning to? That's why people have no room or patience right now. When you see some of the TV spots where you would see the rich and famous and they're sitting around the pool and they're still being waited on and and they're just complaining, oh, it's so rough right now. I can't go get my nails done. Oh, it's so, you know something? I don't want to get into that because I'll get in the flesh. Uh, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother realm of shallowness that is pitiful. Absolutely pitiful. It's, it's something we need to just stop and think about. We don't have a whole lot of patience when we see these people on TV who are just complaining, and yet they have millions of dollars. They're sitting in their mansions. They have got still have their butlers and their chefs and all this. Listen, folks, shallow people aren't very deep. Shallow people aren't very deep. And I just want us to go a lot deeper than the fact that I can't get my nails done or I can't get my hair cut or I can't do it. Come on. Ultimately, it's the poor and the hurting who seek God, not the rich and the comfortable. It is danger and calamity that turn men to their Savior, not health and wealth. Do we see that in Scripture? You betcha. Mark says it best. In verse 2, chapter 2, verse 17. 
On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call the righteous. I have, I have come to call the righteous, but sinners. I, I have not, I'm sorry, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. A self-righteous man does not realize his need for salvation, but an admitted sinner does. It's so important that we understand that. What does God desire of us? Again, in recap, for all people to earnestly seek him in our weakness, put our trust in him. He desires that we love him more than our own lives. He desires that we love and help others in their suffering. Let's unpack that for a minute. These are the things that God desires of us. He desires that all people would seek him. Acts 17. He desires that all people would seek him. Acts 17, verse 26 says this. From one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them in the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. God desires for us to earnestly seek him. And when we do that, we can find him. God also desires us to turn our weaknesses into strength through trusting him. 2 Corinthians 12 says this, 2 Corinthians 12. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God wants us. He desires of us in our weakness, in our neediness to put our trust in him. What else does God desire? That we love him more than we love anything else. Matthew 10 says this. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Remember last week, Easter Sunday, we talked about dying. And I shared a scripture said that we are to die. How do we find our life? We die. How do we find that, that abundant life here on earth? We die. How do we find eternal life? We die. And it's so important that we die to the things that are all around us that says, here, live for this, live for me, here, worship me, here. No, God wants us to die. He's asking us to die to I. And one last desire that he has for us is to help our fellow human beings, our, our neighbors, especially those who are weak and suffering. Romans 15 says this. He wants us to help others. Romans 15, verse, chapter 15, verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself. So here they are. God desires for all people to seek him earnestly. He desires in our weaknesses to not flee or he desires us to trust him. He desires that we love him more than our own lives. And he desires that we reach out to others and help them in their time of suffering. I say, let's get creative in finding ways to bless those in our church or our neighborhoods who may need a pick-me-up right now. I'm still meeting with folks uh, at a distance. I, uh, I'm still 
having folks come to my office and stuff, being very careful with social distancing. And so my heart in the midst of this, when someone calls who's hurting and just needs a pick-me-up, is to encourage them. So I'm still meeting with folks. You can do things for folks. You don't have to get in their space. You don't, you don't have to be meeting with them at a restaurant. Or, well, you're not going to do that anyway. But it's important that we look out for others right now. I, I got a call last week from a couple of ladies in our church who, I won't say their names, uh, but they run a baking company, a, a bakery, like a cooking bakery. What do I want to say? Ba- they bake, and boy, do they bake. Um, and man, they're good. And uh, best cheesecake I have ever eaten. I'm going to say that, and I love cheesecake. There's nobody that makes it like these ladies. Um, they said, Rick, we want to bless somebody in the church. Who, who needs a pick-me-up? Who, who needs a blessing? We want to uh, bake and run to the door, give it to them, and go on. I thought, oh, what a great idea. And then we're going to let the people that we bless pick the next person to bless. And they've been doing that this week. It is amazing. Uh, I love what they're doing. They're saying, hey, we're sitting at home. We can still bake. We don't have to go into people's homes. We can knock on their door and just leave an amazing gift at their door. So I... I wanted to pick all of you, uh, but so I picked a family, a couple of families actually, and said, here, bless this, bless these folks. And they did. And now they're asking those folks, who do you want to bless next? And they did. And then they'll ask that person, who do you want to bless? What, a, what an amazing idea. I love it. I love it. So how can we get creative right now in, in encouraging people? Maybe um, we last a couple of weeks ago, I got a call from somebody who said, Rick, I'm out of milk and bread single person, older person, and said, Rick, I'm out of milk and bread. Can you help? I called one of the deacons. Bam. They were on it, delivered it, taken care of. I don't know what the needs are out there, but talk to us, folks. Maybe you can buy groceries or gas or a Walmart or Target card. Maybe, maybe you know somebody or you've heard of somebody, or you can call me and just say, Rick, who in the church needs a pick-me-up? Who needs to be blessed? Whose, whose tank can I fill? Who, who can I give a Walmart or a Target card to or a Kroger card? Who's, who needs groceries, Rick? And I'll tell you who those folks are at Mosaic. And you can bless them. Let's, let's get creative right now in taking care of people. I got a call the other day from a person in the church and said, Rick, I want to bless somebody. This was Friday, I think, or Thursday, a couple of days ago. Rick, I, I'm in a point, and God has blessed us, and we want to bless somebody. Uh, is there anything I can do? Well, the day before I got that call, I got another call, text, from somebody in the church, a young couple, and said, Rick, getting ready to move into our new home. We need a washer and a dryer. Do you know anybody that has a washer and a dryer? That was the day before this next person called and said, my wife and I want to bless somebody. I said, listen, do some research. Go find a washer and dryer for me, because I would love to be able to bless this couple who needs a washer and a dryer. So that is being done right now. This person is out there looking. If you know somebody who's got a washer and dryer for sale, call me today, and we will connect this person with this person and get this to this couple. I, I just love how God's working. Call Jesse, our, our children's ministry director. Call Stuart, our youth director, and say, listen, what children or youth can I give a pick-me-up to? Who, who can I bless? Uh, who can I write a letter to that they would actually get something in the mail? What, what children, give me their name. And I, I just want to, as a, a person in the church or a person that, I just want to bless somebody. Let me know. Call Jesse. Call Stuart. Say, who can I bless children and youth? Volunteer to take a friend's kid to the park. You don't have to touch them. That's the best babysitting at all. You don't have to touch them. But no, so, so just you're kidding. But say, hey, bring your kids over to Peaksview Park. Um, we'll keep our social distance. I just want to give you as a mom a break. I know you're about to go nuts and you're pulling your hair out and you would just like a break for a couple of hours. I'll meet you at Peaksview Park at two o'clock. You're dropping your kids off. I promise not to touch them. I will keep a great eye on them. You just go take a bath or enjoy yourself, whatever. Uh, just bless somebody that way. Maybe you know someone who needs some yard work done. 
uh, but they can't afford it. Uh, they, can't, they can't physically do it themselves. Maybe you say, you know, Seth, I've got all the tools. I can, I can rake and run. I can, I can go mow someone's lawn. I can cut their hedges. I can wash their windows. I can, I can do all that stuff. Let me, let me bless them. Maybe they need their car washed. Maybe they haven't had their car detailed in a while. Say, listen, I'm coming over. I'm going to leave the keys to your car. I'm going to take it to my house. Uh, I'm going to wash and vacuum and clean out your car. Oh, what a blessing that would be. Guys, let's get creative in serving and helping one another in this next couple of weeks. There's so many ways. Guys, it, it could be as simple as just picking up the phone. Forget the text and email and Facebook. And just call them. I know it's a novel idea, but, but just call them and just say, I was thinking about you. Is it, what can I pray for you? I want to pray for you right now. When I have been doing that the last month, just randomly calling people, and the elders have as well, and the deacons, and just calling and saying, hey, I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. You're not forgotten, even though we can't see you. We love you. What can I pray for you? Is there any needs that you have? Just pick up the phone and call. It would, it would just make people's day to do that. So I just want us to do that in the next couple of weeks. So in review couple of things here. We know there are some absolutes about God and his love for us. Bottom line, there are some absolutes. We know God allows affliction like the coronavirus in our lives for several different reasons, primarily turning to him for the answers. And we in turn, and when we turn to him, we can't help but ask him what he desires of us. And his word shows that to us. In closing, I'd like to ask you this week to do some honest and deep soul searching. Now, this, when you do this, there's no guarantee you're going to like what you see. You're not going to like everything that you discover about yourself. But I would like you to do this. This is very important. I want you to go deeper. I'm, I want you to do some soul searching. There's so much power that, in, that comes forth when people give their testimonies. And I'd like some of you to give me your testimony. I would actually like to base next week's sermon on your testimonies. I would, I would like to preach your life. I would like you to send me this week what you're learning. And I'm not just talking about, don't, don't give me the Christianese. Don't, don't give all, and, and I'm learning. No, Rick, I'm, I'm actually learning some real ugly stuff about myself. I thought I was a patient person. I've discovered I'm not very patient. You know, I thought our family was doing really well, Rick, but this coronavirus has exposed some cracks in the foundation of our family that has been totally exposed during this stay-at-home stuff. You know, I thought I was a loving father and a loving mother, but I'm finding out at times I'm not very loving. And this, this sense of being having to stay home, you know, something I've, I found out just having to stay home that I used to like to go, 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 go all the time. And I realized that in going, going, and going, I was actually running away from things instead of just saying, oh, this is just part of my life. I was actually not stopping and thinking about in a much deeper way some things. I was actually running away from me. You know, I, I don't want just the fluff. A lot of times we get testimonies in churches, and we say, and they all lived happily ever after, and we tie a pretty bow on it, and there we go. Isn't Jesus good? And Jesus is good. But you know something? Life is hard. And sometimes I've had people on this stage in the middle of their healing, not, not at the end, but in the middle of the dirty now and now, in the middle of when it was really rough. And I'm saying to them, are you sure you want to give your testimony? Because you're a work in progress, as we all are, but um, there, you aren't even close to closure right now over the forgiveness, unforgiveness of your father and mother. You aren't even close to, uh, and they know that, and I know that, but they say, Rick, you, you tell us you want us to be authentic and real and honest. Um, I'd like to share kind of what I've learned up to this point. Guys, what have you learned up to this point in relation to this coronavirus? What, what has God shown you? What are, what are some of the life lessons that you're taking away right now in the midst of suffering? God's megaphone to you. What, what are you learning about you? Guys, I would like to hear it. I would really like to hear 
what's going on in your life. So you can write it to me, you can record it, and we'll play it. You can videotape yourself, and we will show it. You don't have to use your name. Maybe you just want to anonymously send me a letter and say, I, I do want to share because I hope it'll bring encouragement to other people. I won't share your name if you don't want me to, but I would like to preach your life next week. I, I, there's so much power in testimony, and I want people to know out there that you're not alone. I'm not saying you have to share all the junk. Share the good stuff too. Say, you know, when it first started a month ago, Rick, and I heard that this was going to happen, wow, there's a part of me that got in the flesh. There's a part of me that wasn't trusting. But you know what I've learned the last month? That I truly can trust God. You know what I've learned the last month? Even though I lost my job, it seems like my needs are still being met. Tell, tell those stories as well. So guys, send in your stories. I want to challenge you to be authentic and real with yourself and with God. I also want you to be willing to share your true face, your true face with us. Mosaic has kind of been known for that over the years, that we don't mince words. We're not, you know, here to just do church. We're not here to say, Jesus, 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 and our life is a train wreck. We, you can't be spiritually mature without being emotional. You can't, you can't be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. You just can't. So maybe there's some raw emotions that have come out in the midst of this virus that you think, you know, I need to get this off my chest. I need to share this with others. And, uh, and God is, is working in my life through this. So, okay, guys, send them in. Um, we'll be happy to, to uh, I want to fashion a sermon next week around your life. A mosaic is made beautiful, not just by the smooth and beautiful pieces. This is on our website, but all pieces and all people. When the light of Jesus shines through our lives, sharp edges and all, we make a most beautiful mosaic church. Tell me this week what God is showing you about yourself and your life during this COVID crisis. Guys, like I said last week, a couple weeks ago when we started, let's not waste this pandemic. Let's not waste this pandemic. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for people who are tuning in to us now. I ask you, Lord, that you would speak to us this week. Uh, show us how our lives can be poured out for other people. Uh, maybe that's going next door and, and just helping our neighbor. It's maybe mowing their lawn. It's maybe going to Kroger or somewhere else and buying a bag of groceries and dropping it off at a house, someone's home here in the church that really needs it or in the community. Lord, I, I don't know, but we need to get creative and we need to really get outside of ourselves uh, and really think of other people this week. And so I pray, God, that you would help us to be really creative. Thank you for what's already being done. The people that are being blessed uh, by people in the church. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Lord, I just ask this week that as we think about how my life could be a testimony, that when I share my life uh, with others, uh, maybe that'll be an encouragement to them. I, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us this week. Bless these dear people that are watching. Watch over their hearts. Bless them above and beyond, even in the midst of a crisis, what they could hope or ask for. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. Mean it. And we will see you next week. God bless.